Last week we talked about, we, we've been in a series of James. So this, for the next, uh, for, for eight weeks now, we're going to study the book of James. Now James is known as the, the, the New Testament Proverbs. James is a book of wisdom. James is a book that can really help you out in life. If you'll just read it and chew on it a little bit and then also apply it as we're going to learn today. Right now. So we talked about James and James is not the disciple James. It's actually Jesus's brother, James. And if you've come from a Catholic background, you may have a problem with that. I know in our life group, somebody said, I told my mom we were studying about Jesus's brother, James, and she had a fit because Jesus didn't have any brothers. It was Jesus's brother. I mean, I don't know how else to explain it. I mean, I'm not going to try to disprove it. It's Jesus's brother. We talked about how they were raised up together. They probably had a bunk bed in the same room. I mean, I don't know. I mean, they probably got a little upset with each other like brothers do. Right? And so James is now a pastor. And we talked about how James didn't actually believe Jesus was the Messiah or the Savior until after the resurrection. That's pretty incredible, right? I mean, the brother's living with Jesus, sharing a bedroom with Jesus. Now, we all know it's kind of difficult to go to one of your brothers or your sisters and fall on your knees and say, I give my life to you. Oh, Savior, please. It'd just be a little too weird, right? They'd probably get a little too puffed up and proud, lead them down a road of destruction, right? So we understand that part of it. But the truth is, is that after the resurrection of Jesus, James believes in him, that he is the Messiah, that he is the the Christ, and he then becomes a pastor. And so that's where we kind of pick up James now. So last week we talked about trials and temptations, your two favorite subjects, right? Everybody just loves a good trial. And here's, here's the cool thing about the book of James is that James spends about two lines, maybe one sentence on an introduction. Then he goes, bam! I mean, he goes, uh, James, the bondservant of of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now count it all joy when trials come your way. You read your Bible like that? I mean, I was kind of taken back. I was like, I mean, he didn't even warm me up for it. I mean, he just, boom, just hit me with it. Count it all joy when trials come your way. So we talked about trials and temptations. We talked about how trials are good things for us. And that trials don't mean that God's mad at you. Right? Trials, just because you're going through a trial doesn't mean that you've done something wrong. Though the enemy will try to tell you that you did something wrong. Right? Oh, I'm, I'm being tried. I'm going through a hard time. God must be mad. Oh, yeah, he's mad at you. <laughs> he hates you right now. Isn't that how it works? And then we talked about temptations and the, and the different stages of temptation. Remember those five stages? How it starts off with, with just the, 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 the temptation itself, then it goes into fantasy, then it goes into moving towards sin, and then it goes the act of sin. And we talked about how, how when you're in the first three stages, you're, in, you're not in sin. This is important. Just because you're being tempted doesn't mean you're in sin. Just because you fantasize about the temptation doesn't mean you're in sin. Come on, somebody. And just because you move towards sin doesn't mean that you sinned. And that's important because the enemy wants to tell you as soon as you're tempted, you've sinned. As soon as you fantasize about it, you've sinned. So you just soon keep on going. Right? I mean, it's kind of like opening up the, refri- the freezer and there is bluebell. You haven't sinned yet. Come on, somebody. When you grab the bluebell, you still haven't sinned. 
But just because you got it in your hand doesn't mean you need to go ahead on and just get the spoon. You know, follow me? <laughs> you with me? So it's important. But here's the biggest thing from last week. The thing that we discovered, the thing that I think is just the biggest message from last week is this simple phrase, falling in love with Jesus is the best way to overcome temptation. Right? Because this is how the enemy works. First, he wants to tempt you. Then he wants to tell you that just because you're tempted, you've already sinned, so you keep going. And then he wants to, if that doesn't work, he wants to get you so focused on temptation that you lose your focus with Jesus. Right? It's a trick. He's crafty. That's what the Bible says. And he's always looking for an angle to get you away from God. Right? So this is how you combat that. You fall in love with Jesus. What does that mean, Pastor? That means you get up in the morning and you talk to him. Some of you need to unformalize the whole process. And you just need to get real with Jesus. Right? I mean, you need good morning, Lord. How are you doing this morning? If you speak French, speak a little French too. I don't, you know what I'm saying. But you just, you, you focus on your relationship with Jesus. And that's what helps you overcome temptation. Amen. Well, I'm excited about today's message. Today we're talking about listening and doing. And I know every one of you are gifted in listening. Right? You husbands, you're gifted in listening. When your wife is gifted in talking. You see how God puts the two together? See? He gave you ears. He gave her the mouth. That's y'all. That's not me. I mean, I don't have the issue. But Today we're talking about listening and doing. And I want to start off by telling you a story about the Sea of Galilee. I heard a story of a guy who went to Israel. I've never been to Israel myself. But he went to Israel and he was passing by the Sea of, Gal- the, the sea of Galilee. And he noticed that it was, it was a vibrant sea. It was, there was things happening around that sea. There was people fishing, boating, people out in boats fishing, people on the banks swimming. All these things. And it just looked like a, 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 just a healthy sea. Right? So... The cool thing about the Sea of Galilee is that the Jordan River, 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 the Jordan River is the one that supplies water into the Sea of Galilee, which is cool. It, it needs a source. So the Jordan dumps into the Sea of Galilee. But here's the cool part is the Jordan also runs out of the Sea of Galilee. That's important. It's important to receive water, but it's also important to release water. Amen. Now, here's, here's something strange is that just below the Sea of Galilee is called the Dead Sea. And the Jordan River also flows into the Dead Sea, but it does not flow out of the Dead Sea. So today we're talking about listening and doing. Right? Listening and doing. And all of us, like the Sea of Galilee, need to be receiving from God, but also releasing From what God's given you. Amen. You tracking? A couple of years ago, you remember the the Mississippi River flooded. How many of you remember that? They had to open up the Morganza Spillway. Remember, there was all these debates. The craw fishermen, the the, the commercial fishermen, they were all mad because the the basin was going to get messed up. The Chaffalai Basin. And and so there was all these debates going on. And and basically, if you sum it all up, they opened up the Morganza Spillway. It dumped into the Chaffalai Basin. and And the engineers at the end of it all said that was one of the best things for the Chaffalai Basin because it, it was like a good flush. 
Previous to the flood, they were discussing the, the issue of the mercury in the Atchafalaya Basin, the mercury levels rising up too high. You see, as believers, if all we do is just listen and receive the word from God and we study our Bibles and we just study, study, study and receive, 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 but we never let go. It's like eating, eating, eating and never going to the bathroom. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. I mean, that's just about as simple as it gets. You won't forget that analogy, by the way. <laughs> Next time you're eating, you're like, I'm going to the bathroom. <laughs> Let my mercury levels come up. So today, my goal is that we learn how to listen. And then we learn how to do what God calls us to do. Is that okay? Can we do that? So James coming straight forward at us. James chapter 1, verse 19. We, last week we tackled 1 to 18. This week we're going to go 19 to the end of the chapter in, in chapter 1. So James 1, 19, it says this. says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Doesn't that just flow naturally out of you? Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word God planted in you, which can save you. I mean, he's just straightforward. You need to be slow to speak, quick to listen and slow to anger. So I want to start with this. Number one, I want to I want you I want to give you this point. One is understand the process of listening. You need to understand that there's a process to listening. There's some things that need to happen in your life so that you can hear from God. Amen. So you need to, you need to hear from God's word. I heard a statement the other day, a guy, a big famous guy made. He says, if you want to hear the voice of God, read the Bible out loud. (laughs) How you going to argue with that? Right. You want to hear the voice of God, read your Bible out loud. That's that's a good thing. So you're going to hear his voice through the word. And then you may hear him speaking to you through the Holy Spirit. Okay. And listen to me. I want, before we go any further, I want you to understand that every believer of the Lord Jesus Christ has been given the right to hear his voice. We've preached that message several times that you have the right to hear his voice. The problem may be that you haven't positioned yourself just right to hear his voice. That's what we're going to talk about here in point one. Understand the process of listening. So there's five steps to listening. Number one, be quick to listen. You need to have the attitude that I'm going to listen first. Be quick about it. Proverbs 12, 15 says, fools think their way is right, but the wise listen to others. Isn't that good? This demonstrates an attitude of humility when you listen. Fools don't listen. You ever get somebody that doesn't listen to you? Fool. Right? Don't go calling them a fool. It ain't going to work. But only wise folks listen. Matthew 13, 23 says that, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Jesus refers to good soil being somebody who hears and understands. Sometimes we're too quick to hear and not wait for the understanding. Come on. Right. You want to hear it so you can hurry up and say something about it. 
Yeah, but, 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 you already got your defense. Your kids ever argue with you like that? Huh? You're trying to say something, you just want to go, shut up! Listen! In my house, we, we do this, I go, time out. Time out. If the kids are fighting, they're right there. I go, okay, you speak. You don't say nothing until they're finished speaking. Just what we do. Try to teach them how to listen. Amen? So be, be quick to listen. Good soil hears and gains understanding. When you're quick to listen, you gain understanding. But the opposite is true, that when you're quick to speak, you skip out on understanding. Amen? Amen? How many of you have ever given somebody some wrong advice because you just didn't simply listen completely to what they were saying? How many of you men are like me? You're a fixer. And when your wife comes and tells you about something, you want to hurry up and fix it. Go ahead. It's okay. You can raise your hand. She already knows that about you. Right. I mean, I, that's me. I'm guilty. I'm so, so now I'm making the practice. Okay. Okay. Time out. Are you telling me so I can fix it? Or do you just want me to listen? You see, we got to get this straight. Cause I'm tired of being in trouble. Come on. I need some understanding. So number one, be quick to listen. Number two, be slow to speak. Very simple. We're, we're tracking along with what James is saying. Proverbs 13, three says those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. Man, that's just good stuff. I mean, that's God's word right there. Pastor Jamie didn't touch that. Right? Those who control their tongue will have a long life. You want to live long? Control your tongue. I remember I didn't control my tongue one time as a teenager. My mom almost knocked it out of my mouth. I almost didn't have a long life. But this demonstrates an attitude of humility when you listen. Right? When you speak before you listen, you set yourself up for disaster. Come on, somebody. Aaron, you need to remember this. It's hard to take words back. You can say, I'm sorry to you blue in the face. But if you said something stupid, it's stuck. Stupid sticks. Right? I mean, it just does. You say something stupid, nobody's forgetting about that. Be slow to speak. Proverbs 21, 23 says, watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. <laughs> I mean, that's just God's word right there. I, I ain't got to preach that. That's just God's word. Shut up. <laughs> then you'll stay out of trouble. Amen. You know, being slow to speak and sometimes actually make the conversation go a little faster. For those of you who are like me and don't like to talk. If you'll just listen to somebody, you can get to the end a whole lot quicker. Right? Instead of trying to give your opinion halfway through. Right? If you'll just listen to God and keep your mouth shut, you'll hear what he has to say. Then you can go on about doing it. Right? But if you want to argue and you want to put your own opinion in there, then it's going to prolong the process. Number three, be slow to anger. How many of you remember the Flintstones? Raise your hand. How many of you used to watch the Flintstones? Come on, we used to rock the Flintstones when I was a kid, right? How many of you remember Fred, main character Fred, big Fred? What would Fred look like whenever he got mad? (laughs) Well, we'll pray for you. (laughs) But when Fred gets mad, his face turns red, right? And you remember the steam would come rolling out of his ears, right? Some of us are like that. 
Let me, let me say this. Most of us are like that. When we get angry, pressure builds. I mean, I'm sorry. When I get angry, I can feel my blood pressure right here. Boom, 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 boom. I mean, just, I'm not listening. I can't listen in that attitude, right? I don't want to hear anything anybody's got to say. I want to give my opinion. I want to tell somebody off. Right? Come on, let's just be real. You're in church this morning. You can lie all you want to, but the truth is you want to tell somebody off. But a lot of us are like that. Ephesians 4.26 says, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. I encourage people all the time, don't sit on your anger. It's going to burn your bottom. Before the sun goes down, you need to go and make something right. Now, if the fight happens in the morning... And you need till the afternoon at, at, at 745, right before the sun goes, then go take care of that. Amen? But don't, don't try to go to bed with anger. You're not going to sleep. James is telling us that anger does not accomplish what God wants to accomplish. Human anger will never accomplish what God wants, right? I remember a young guy living with us one time, and I've shared this story a few times, but he just wasn't doing right. And I'm, I'm a flesh man. I, you know, I have a battle of the flesh like anybody else. And so he wasn't listening. And one time we're arguing in the house and he, he said something real disrespectful. And I grabbed him by the neck and I drug him past his mama through the door to the fence. And I jacked him up on the fence. I said, do you want to live or do you want to die? And in that moment, God says, you ain't accomplishing nothing. Be slow to anger. Some of you need to get out of the foothold of the enemy. Because when you're angry and you don't take care of your business, you you give the enemy a foothold into your life. Right? Number four, get rid of filth and evil in your life. Filth and evil in your life. You know what I'm talking about. Filth and evil. Things that aren't of God. Those things plug your ears up. Those, Those things distract you. Listen, there's enough distractions without any evil or filth in your life. Just let me tell you something. From a person who has some standards in his life and in his family, we've got standards. There's certain things we won't watch, certain things we won't listen to, certain people we won't hang out with, certain things that won't happen around my house or with my family. And, and even though we've set those standards and those perimeters, it's still a lot of distractions to try and hear from God. I can't imagine if we were letting anything come in and then trying to hear from God. Right? James, is, James said it for a reason because he's trying to teach us how to listen. He said, you need to be able to listen. Listen to me. A Christian needs to be able to hear. You need to be able to hear the right voice. Because there's too many voices. So when you get rid of some filth and some evil in your life, you, you're getting rid of some of these voices. Is this making sense? And it's not that you're becoming some religious and holy and sanctified and, and all these things and that Jesus is going to love you more. Listen, he's already made up his mind about you, how much he loves you. He, did, he didn't love you because you were pure. He loved you because you were broken. Right? So that doesn't make him love you more. It just gives you the ability to hear him better and to enjoy his presence better. Right? 
I mean, I'm sorry, guys. If you want to be intimate with your wife, you need to go brush your teeth. Come on, women. You should have said amen. I'm just glad you just said, tell him, pastor, because everybody knows we were talking about your husband. But seriously, you want to get intimate with God, you need to push some stuff out the way. Listen to me, you're a child of God, not a child of this world anymore. There needs to be some separation. You need to be set apart. You need to look a little different. I'm not saying you got to wear a bun and a long dress, but I'm saying you need to, there needs to be something sanctified, something set apart. Right? But too many times we want to act like the world, but still have Jesus. Get rid of filth and evil in your life. First Peter three, one to two says in the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. All the men said, amen. Then even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. You see, there's something about your life that people read and listen to. And it's usually not your mouth. Before they ever listen to what comes out of your mouth, they're going to listen to your life. You got to know that. People are reading you. People are watching you. The day you said you're a Christian, the day you told them that something changed in your life and they saw something a little different and said on Sundays you ain't out there smoking dope and drinking, you're over at the church house. They said, oh, we got to pay attention. What's going on with this person? And they started reading your life. And you can say all you want to say, but if what you're saying doesn't match up with what you're living, nobody's listening. Right? Listen, there's a reason I set standards at my house and in my own life. And there's a pull. Let's just be real. There's a pull. The things of this world are enticing, aren't they? Seriously, they do some cool stuff these days. It's enticing. And can I be honest with you? I, I get a tendency to get pulled into some of that. But I, I got to put some brakes on every now and then. Right? My wife and I, we remind each other, oh no. Mm-mm. But baby, but baby, mm-mm. Peter says that a woman can win over her husband just by her lifestyle. It's not that you got to go preach to people. It's you got to live in front of people. Amen. Second Timothy 2.21 says that if you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Wow. If your life is pure and clean, the master can use you. You weren't nearly as excited about that as I thought you was going to be. Purity qualifies you for the master's use. Amen. How many of you like working with greasy tools? How many of you like working behind somebody that doesn't clean their tools? I don't know about you, but when I got to use a tool, I don't want to get dirty. I've made it my my life's mission that when I work, I try not to get dirty. Still happens, but I still try not to get dirty. Some people wear their work. 
Get rid of filth and evil in your life. Number five, humbly accept God's word. You have to know that his word is only good for you. His word gives life. You don't ever need to be afraid of God's word. You don't ever need to be afraid to read the Bible. It's not there to mess you up in a negative way. It's there to mess you up in a positive way. Right? It's there to give you life. Abundant life. It's there to give you a future and a hope. That's what God's word is. And you just need to accept it. You need to accept that the Bible is for you. Come on. It's not something you need to be afraid of. It's need to be something that you're drawn to. Because how can you know the lie if you don't know the truth? How can you know what's dirty if you don't know what's clean? How can you know who you are if you don't read this and remind yourself of who you are? And who he is. Right? So you need to just simply accept God's word that it's good for you. You need to make it a practice of reading your Bible. Read it. Start in the New Testament. If you're not familiar with the Bible, start in the New Testament. Start in one of the, one of the um, Gospels. Thank you, Josh. It's my little, um, yeah. It's my extra brain right there. Yeah, it is ironic. So humbly accept God's word. I've smashed him with the word a few times. Number two, act on what you hear. Here's the second thing. So number one, number one is understand the process of listening. Number two is act on what you hear. You see, when you hear God's word, it needs to change something in your heart that causes you to get up out of your seat and go out and do something. Come on. It's, It's a very simple process. You receive it. It changes you. And then you go out and you do something with it. It's like the Sea of Galilee. You receive, it flushes and cleans, and the word tells you how you need to live, tells you who you are, tells you what you can do, and then you need to get out of it, and you need to go do it. Right? I got caught up for a period of of several years of just studying the word. I was a student of the word. I memorized the word. I had 175 memory verses. I could quote to you off the hip word perfect. I had, I had a good quiet time every morning. I had a, I've got tablets of stuff that I wrote down, applications for my life. All these other things, prayer lists, all these. Other, I, was, I was obsessed with the word. But I wasn't doing anything with it. Right? I got plugged up with the word. And nothing was flowing out of me. I was steady receiving. Lord, I want, I want, I want, I want. And that's a good thing. But if it doesn't change something inside of you and cause you to get up and go do something, then you need to stop. Can I just say that this morning? You need to stop. You need to do the last thing God told you to do. Instead of trying to learn the next thing, you just need to do the last thing. And for some of you, that's going to be an act of faith. Some of you, that's going to be a stepping out of your comfort zone. Some of you, that's going to be a getting used to doing something different kind of thing, right? So you need to act on what you hear. James 1 verse 22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks in his at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. 
But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. How many of you have got multiple mirrors in your house? So let's say you got dressed this morning in your bathroom. Okay. And I'm going to pick on the ladies. Because y'all care more how you look than those guys do in most cases. Let's say you're in your bathroom and you get, you're getting yourself all duded up and you, you're looking good and right. And you got your everything, you know, your hair's just good and all these things. And you get your earrings are matching. You done went to your husband a couple of times or somebody else said, hey, does this look good? And my girls come in there and they go. And I go, oh, baby, you look good. You look good. Oh, thank you, daddy. And they walk out. Butter and the bread. That's all I'm doing. But how many of you that when you leave your bathroom, you got maybe two, three, four more mirrors before you get to the car? Right? So you make it to the hallway. You go in the hallway and you kind of go. And then you get to maybe like the living room and there's another one. You kind of go. Right? And before you get to the door, you've done rechecked yourself since the first time you saw yourself. Anybody do that? It's okay to raise your hand. We're not going to condemn you for that. But that's what James is saying about somebody who hears the word but doesn't do anything about it. They forget what they look like. Does that make sense? So you hear it and you don't act on it. And so that means that you don't walk in confidence in what you've heard. That means that you don't believe what God said is going to happen. So what happens? You got to look at yourself again. Right? And you got to check it out again. See, the pleasure of not having hair is I don't have to look in the mirror too often. Spend it on razors. So he says, he says, number one, he says, do not fool yourself or don't fool yourself. Don't think that just because you hear the word that you're doing everything that you need to do. Don't think that just because you're receiving something from God that you're now finished. Amen. There's a process. Don't fool yourself. Step one is to listen to the word. Step two is to do what it says. And if you're not, you're fooling yourself. I was fooling myself. When you get out and you do what the word says to do, let me tell you something. That's where the adventure of Christianity happens. People that do what the word says don't live bored Christian lives. Right? You live a life of adventure. You see miracles happen. When people come to me and say, oh, pastor, we don't see miracles happen. I'm like, I don't know what you're doing, but they're having it all the time. Really? Yeah, I read my Bible. I do what it says. It's a miracle. It takes place every day. Something happens. Right? Don't fool yourself. It's the cool thing is this is that there's more revelation in the doing than there is in the hearing. You got to get that. I used to be in love whenever I would get a, a nugget from the Bible. You ever get a nugget from the Bible? You kind of read something. You kind of go, oh. That's good. Cool, that's good. You get your pen, you're like, right? You're like, oh, man. You texting all your buddies. Yo, bro, look, listen to this. And that's great. I used to be addicted to that. But let me tell you what's even better. Is when you get that revelation and you put it in the world and you see it happen in front of you. That's when something incredible happens. That's when you get excited about being a Christian. Come on, somebody. 
That's when that's when the rubber starts meeting the road. Right. That's where the miracles are happening. People want miracles to happen in the church building. They don't need to happen in the church building. They need to happen out in the world where everybody else can see them and experience them. Right. You're a miracle waiting to happen. Amen. Number two, remember what you heard and saw. Remember what you heard and saw. We talked about the mirror. You got to remember God's word. Psalms 119.11 says that I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. How do you overcome sin? Hiding God's word in your heart. What does that mean in your heart? It means you read it, you study it, you meditate on it, and then you do what it says. Amen? So number three is to prove your religion. So number one, James tells us we need, to, we, need, we need to understand the process of listening. Number two, he says we need to act on what you hear. And then number three is you need to prove your religion. What you mean prove your religion? Look at what James says in verse 26. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceive themselves. And their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. Here it is. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To live beyond yourself, to live for other people, and to not be corrupted by this world. That's what he says. Live for other people and don't be corrupted by this world. How many of you know there's hurting people all around us? Everywhere you turn, there's somebody that needs something. Right? Share a story with you the first time Pastor Bubba and I. Back in the early days, and I say the early days before we even moved to Jennings, we were living in Kinder, we were house shopping in Jennings, and I was working construction on my rainy days, I'd go hang out with Pastor Bubba. He was really the only other friend I had. We just packed our bags and moved. So he and I were riding around in this little white Nissan Sentra. You remember that, Zach? And, and we're riding around on a rainy day in Jennings, and he's showing me houses they looked at, and this and that. He's trying to help me find a house, and we're at a red light. There's a car in front of us and some cars on the side of us and the light turns green and everybody else goes except the lady in front of us and Pastor Bob was looking down. So he lets off the gas and boom, we hit the car in front of us. We're like, oh man, but it was just like a little boom, Not plastic bumpers. They pop right back. So man, the lady gets out and she's kind of, you know, what you wasn't paying attention and this and that. And, and then all of a sudden her son crawls out of the seat, the passenger seat, he was laying in the seat. He crawls out and he's just got an attitude. And I mean, he's like going off. And I'm like, Lord, you better show up. <laughs> you know, the whole neck fence thing. Lord, you better show up. And so we call the, call the cops. The cops come. They make us pull over. We're right next to a funeral home, ironically. And then we pull into the, the, the canopy, uh, underneath the canopy of the funeral home. And we're there. And the cop does his spiel. And, you know, when this happens, the pastor was like, yes, sir, I hit her. I wasn't paying attention. And blah, blah, blah. And all that exchange insurance and all that. 
And so the mom's talking, and, and then all of a sudden, I look around, and she's, she's talking to Pastor Bubba, and she starts crying. And she goes, my son, he's, just, he's battling depression, and he's been addicted to drugs, and he's tried to commit suicide, and this and that. And he's laying in the car again. And all of a sudden, it's like Pastor Bubba just kicks in the gear, and, and he walks over there, and he goes, hey, man. And he just starts ministering to the guy, the guy that was fussing and complaining and whining. And he just starts ministering to this guy. This guy starts breaking I mean, he's just like breaking emotionally. He's just, he's crying. And Pastor Bubba lays his hands on him and he just starts praying for this guy. I don't remember if he gave his life to Jesus right then and there or not, but I know he got a touch from God. And I just went back. I was like, wow, this is cool. (laughs) Like I didn't expect for this to happen today. Right. But the truth is, is that you're always going to run into somebody that has a need. Amen. That's true. Religion is when you actually stop long enough to meet that need. So number one is you got to control your tongue. Proverbs 15, four says the gentle words are free or a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. James is saying at the end of this, this chapter, he's saying, you got to control your tongue to prove your religion. You're going to have to control your tongue. How many of you know people that have no control over their tongue? How many of you are sitting right next to that person? <laughs> I ain't gonna say who it was. Somebody was like this. <laughs> we ain't gonna go there. But here's the deal: is your tongue, the Bible says, gives life or death. Isn't that cool? Your tongue can breathe life or death. Do you know that that's not just for Christians? That's for non-Christians alike. You know that's why I don't listen to secular music. Because I used to be caught up in this religious thing. Oh, no, I can't hear that. Oh. And then finally, one day, God says, why are you acting like that? No, I'm just not supposed to listen to that. He goes, no, no, no. You need to understand why you're not supposed to listen to that. He goes, because in the tongue lies the power of life and death. You've got it. And so do they. So what are you listening to? And for me, I went. It's kind of one of those light bulb moments. Boom, boom. Wow, that's pretty cool. So the power of life and death is in your tongue. Who controls your tongue? You do. Nobody else can control your tongue. We've been trying to do that for years. Right? I mean, wives get, get very good at giving you a knee under the table or a kick in the shin or something. When you're starting to, because they see that look in your eye when you're about to say something stupid. Right? And they go, Poof. like, what was that for? You're about to say something stupid. So you're going to have to control your tongue. Number two, you're going to have to identify the hurting and distressed around you. You got to identify the hurting and the stress around you. If you'll just look around, they're all around you. And I promise you this much. When you receive life from God, in whatever form or shape that comes in, through reading, through praying, through worshiping, whatever it is, when you receive life from God, he wants you to take that life and then give it away. A lot of times the very same day. Okay. So if, but if here's the deal is if you're not paying attention to the world around you, you hear me talk about all this, all this, this all the time is that you have a world. Everybody has a little world that God's given them. You got a little realm of influence. If you're not paying attention, you're going to walk right past somebody that you were supposed to deposit that life into. Right. 
This is where the Holy Spirit kicks in. He starts giving you discernment. You start hearing. That's why you got you to gotta keep your life pure. And you got to put all this stuff out the way so that you can hear him say, that one right there. That one. Okay, Lord. All right. You see, it's kind of, if you, if you really look at it, it's kind of like a little secret mission game. Right? It's kind of like your little secret agent. Right? And you got the goods. You got all the goods in the world. You, you really got the hope of the world, a hope of, of the world living inside of you. Right? And if you'll just pay attention, God will set you up and you can go, got some for you, got some for you. Is this making sense? Got some for you. Come on. And then that's when you start seeing things happen. Right? And that's what James is telling us. Saying you, you got to prove your religion. The world's tired of hearing us preach, they want to see something happen. Right? Maybe the thing that needs to happen is you need to die to yourself and let God use you and be nice to somebody. Identify the hurting and the distressed around you. Just like the story with me and Pastor Bubba and the guy. If Pastor Bubba would have just been mad and angry and let himself get out of control, he'd have never took opportunity for that ministry time. Right? He'd have missed an opportunity to breathe life into somebody. And number three, refuse to be corrupt like this world. Talked about it already. We've, we've been called to set us to be set apart. We're expected to be set apart. He's not calling us to be religious and be anti-television and anti-radio. And because some Christians are more anti than they are for people, right? They, they can tell you more about what they're not, what they don't like than what they actually do like. And it's a long list. You don't need to be that way. You just need to not let the world corrupt you. Amen. Set some standards in your life. And in closing, I want to do this. James is telling us that listening, doing, and controlling your tongue is how we prove our religion. Nobody can argue with somebody who's listening, doing, and controlling. Right? Good. Can you stand up with me this morning? As we get ready to close. Pastor Bubba shared something with me this morning, and this is it's 100% his. We kind of joked and cut up about the whole thing. But he, he said, you can, use my, you can use my phrase, but you better make sure I get the credit for it. So here you go, Pastor Bubba. He said he's going to be listening. <laughs> he said this. He said, you know, if you'll take notice of nature and learn a lesson from nature, very few things have the ability to close its ears. But everything has the ability to close its mouth. Right? There's a reason for that. It's because God wants you to listen long before you speak. Amen? You have the ability to close your mouth. Sometimes you just need to shut up. Right? And you need to set yourself apart from this world. Amen? Listening without doing is like trying to ride a bicycle with only one pedal. Anybody ever had a broke down bicycle? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's not too bad at first, right? When you got one pedal. Anybody, seriously, anybody ever had one pedal on your bicycle? Raise your hand. Come on, I had one pedal on my bicycle one time. And I tried to keep up with everybody else with my one pedal, right? And you, <laughs> wait, guys, wait for me, right? It's okay for a little while, right? But then after a while, it's not fun anymore, is it? 
That's what it's like when you just hear and receive goodness from God, but you never let it go. After a while, it's not fun anymore. And I believe that's why a lot of Christians get bored. It's because they lose out and they miss out on the process of giving. Like the Sea of Galilee, you got to receive and you got to release. Amen? So my challenge for you this week is to receive and release. Receive and release. Look for opportunities. Amen? Let me pray for you this morning. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for James and just him writing what you've inspired him to write. And that, Lord, it's, it's for all of us to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. That, Lord, we'll get rid of the filth and the evil in our lives. And that, Father, we'll just, will not be corrupted by this world. But, Lord, we'll, we'll just receive and accept your word as true and good for us. Father, help us as a church to to receive your goodness in your life and to turn around and give it away. Help us to be doers of the word, not just hearers, but doers of the word. That Lord, you'll set us up. I know you'll set us up. Father, anybody that sets their heart to do what you would have them do, Lord, you set them up and you show up and you do incredible things. And I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for the adventures I've lived through. The, the, the opportunities to give life to people that are hurting and distressed. And the opportunities I get to see you help me overcome this world. So, Father, thank you for today. Help us to be a church that just gives life in our world. In Jesus' name, I love you and praise you. Amen.